Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Health Connect South Radio. Brought to you by Sherwick Media, your health and wellness content specialist. Health Connect South is to serve the health community as a sustainable platform for regional health collaborations. Through our collective work, we seek to broadly define and advance the Southeast role in the future of health. Serving as a gateway between health industry silos, we seek to provide unique and meaningful partnership opportunities in health. We are pleased to share this information and these experts with you as part of our mission. Want to be part of the discussion? Join in, tweet questions and comments at HealthCon Radio. Good morning, everyone. It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Health Connect South Radio Show. Thanks for making us a part of your day again today for Health Connect South Radio number 33. I cannot believe there's been 33 of these. That's crazy. That's Diana Keogh of Sherwick Media Group. Great to be here. Fresh from the holiday. <laughs> and an, an eight-and-a-half-hour drive. Really? You just Did you drive in today? Um, no, last night. Oh, Very wow. late. Still. That's a tough one. We've got a full show today, so we'll get right after it. Um, we're going to be joined in studio by some folks who are um, addressing uh, needs for folks who are dealing with addiction and uh, uh, eating disorders, a variety of comorbidities there. Uh, and additionally, we've got some folks that are using technology to be better able to help individuals and family members who are caring for folks dealing with chronic uh, diseases, uh, for folks who are also uh, having a medication regimen, trying to help them be a little bit more compliant with those regimens as well. So look forward to uh, meeting everyone. We'll go around the room here real quickly. I've got Dr. Kim Dennis, who's the CEO and medical director of Timberline Knowles. They're a residential center that uh, provides treatment for women and adolescent girls who are dealing with eating disorders, substance abuse, and other issues. So uh, Dr. Dennis, thanks for joining us on the phone from Illinois. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And we have her colleague, Sarah Bright. She's a therapist and an outreach professional with uh, Timberline Nose sitting with us in studio. Yes, good morning. It's delightful to be here. <laughs> We've got Gary Austin of One Care. Good morning. And you have a guest with you as well, a colleague. Yes, uh, Aubrey Daniels from uh, Aubrey Daniels International. In uh, focusing on behavioral health, uh, yes. I understand. And then, of course, we have Mark O'Connor with Courant Health. Good morning, all. And uh, as I mentioned, we have Diana Keogh of Sherwick Media Group, our partner in producing the show and an organization that helps companies such as these actually be able to better tell their story through a host of digital media, including video and, and uh, just about any kind of media platform you can think about. Uh, so thanks for being a part of that for the folks at uh, Sherwick Media. And Dr. Dennis, I'll go ahead and start with you. Tell us, uh, for for the folks that are, are not familiar with Timberline Knowles, uh, talk to us about the facility and uh, and your focus, because from what I understand, you do focus on primarily women and adolescent, adolescent young women. Correct. So we... We are a residential treatment facility, and uh, we, we, uh, we offer gender-specific treatment. And one of the things we know about substance use disorders, eating disorders, and co-occurring disorders is that offering gender-specific treatment tends to yield better outcomes. So we've tailored our whole program towards the needs of adolescent girls and adult women. And what do you find the reason for that is? Is it just one less distraction that someone has to deal with while they're going through the process of trying to kind of sort things out and get on the road to recovery? Well, that's one of the aspects for sure. One of the other aspects that we know is critical. Many of our girls and women have an underlying issue with trauma uh, broadly defined. That could be emotional abuse physical abuse, sexual abuse. And when people are willing to work on their underlying issues, they have much better chances of longer-term sustainable recovery. And when women are in gender-specific treatment centers or gender-specific treatment programs, they're much more likely, they feel a lot safer and, and become much more likely to work on underlying traumatic issues. And when we're when we're talking about addiction and eating disorders, uh, how prevalent is that you know, sort of issue among the the the, the women in in our in our community? It's extremely prevalent. Um, we know that there's a high rate of co-occurrence 
between substance use disorders and eating disorders specifically in women, up to 50% of women with eating disorders will also have a substance use disorder. And um, close to 50% of women with a substance use disorder will have some issue with their eating as well. Um, We know also that substance use disorders are on the rise with women particularly when we're talking about prescription drug abuse. I know that it's a fairly common thing. I know here in Georgia, for example, the Medical Association of Georgia has got a pretty big initiative underway called Think About It to try to help fight that problem, in particular dealing with prescription medication, how to store it, um, how to handle it, and how to dispose of it, for example, if you don't use all that you needed to take. you know, talk about your particular treatment approach for those that you're dealing with that are dealing with addiction and these other you know, co-occurring, co-occurring disorders like the depression and anxiety that they face. Well, first and foremost, we offer holistic integrated treatment. And by that, I mean, we look at the whole woman or the whole girl. Uh, so not only the substance use disorder, but Nine times out of ten, there's also a co-occurring depression, eating disorder, anxiety disorder. So we address all of that, as well as the physical needs in an integrated way. So um, each of our women also sees a primary care doctor to help us manage the physical aspects of their mental disorders, as well as all of the physical, other physical medical problems that they may have. With regards to the substance use disorder, our clinical foundation is really a combination of something called dialectical behavior therapy and 12-step facilitation. Okay. Um, And dialectical behavior therapy is a particular form of therapy that helps women with Uh, Emotion management and regulation gives them specific tools to use instead of a drug or an eating disorder behavior to effectively manage their feelings. It also helps with interpersonal relationships and skills to use to make sure that their relationships with people are actually fulfilling and they're getting their needs met again, instead of having to rely on a substance to get what they need out of life. And then the last component of dialectic behavior therapy is mindfulness, which really helps women be present in their lives. And so much of substance use disorders and eating disorders is about escape, escaping the pain of their present reality. And when someone comes to stay with the the Timberline Knowles facility, uh, how long are they typically with you? It depends. Um, Every woman's care is individually tailored, and um, some of it will depend on the severity of their illness. Uh, Some of it will depend on um, how long their insurance authorizes them to be with us. Um, typically women stay for about 30 days. And Dr. Davis, this is Diana Keough. Um, A lot of the institutions or a lot of the patients that are put into institutions are put there against their will. Like the family wants them to be there, thinks that this is going to be good for them. But if a patient is not engaged in the program, the success rate goes way down because they're basically doing it so they can actually get the family off of their back. How do you, what, how do you go about getting a patient engaged? I mean, is there an application process that they themselves have to fill out to show you that they are incentivized to actually do the work necessary? Because this is not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. So what is, what is that process like? What does a family do? Yeah, to- that's, a, that's a great point. Um, part of our program is a family therapy program. And some of that is to help the family system, which has become sick itself, in learning how to take care of themselves um, versus always focusing on the addict and trying to get the addict 
to do something that she doesn't want to do. So that's one component of our program. With regards to the women that come, we are a completely voluntary program. You know, we're not a locked inpatient psychiatric ward. So uh, to some extent, women have to um, be willing to come themselves. And prior to coming, there's a, a pretty extensive screening process that the woman has to go through with one of our admissions counselors to determine if she's going to be a good fit or not for our particular clinical program. And how do you define And a lot of the work that we do from the time that a woman first calls in or her family first calls in is motivational interviewing, which is a form of uh, talking to patients to really support them in engaging in the recovery process and owning the recovery process. And how do you define what a good fit is? I mean, how do you know? I mean, what are those parameters? So for those that are listening and have a family member that is struggling with this um, and looking, because it's not easy to find somewhere um, that, especially for eating disorders, um, that helps them. How do you define good fit? Um, Well, in part, it depends on what the patient is willing to do. Um, It depends on whether or not the patient and the family think that the forms of therapies that we use at Timberline Knowles could be helpful to them. Um, There are certain medical conditions or psychiatric conditions that we don't treat at Timberline Knowles. Um, So, for instance, if somebody has schizophrenia as one of their diagnoses, our treatment center is not going to be a good place for them because we don't have clinicians specifically focused on that particular disorder. And so that would be part of your onboarding process, if you will. You would identify those types of issues being pre-existing along with the other things they're dealing with. Correct. So we have a pretty extensive pre-admission process again, with our um, admissions counselors who are licensed clinicians, and they get a detailed psychiatric history, a medication history, medical history, a laboratory data if we need that, um, to really ensure before a family flies across the country to Chicago to get treatment at Timberline Knowles, that we're going to be able to serve them in the best way possible. We've been talking with Dr. Kim Dennis of uh, Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center located in Illinois, and we've been learning about how they are able to help women and adolescent girls who are dealing with addictions of various types and and eating disorders as well as uh, other types of trauma, emotional, physical, etc. And and Dr. Dennis... uh, you know, in, with regards to your your colleague here, uh, Sarah, with us in the studio, how how do they fit in? Because obviously, Sarah's here in Atlanta, interfacing with I guess potential patients in an outreach capacity. Talk about that side of of your program. Sure. So Sarah is um, one of several of our treatment professionals that are nationwide, and Sarah really focuses on patients and their families. Um, therapists and referral sources in the Atlanta area. And she is a liaison between people who are seeking treatment services in Timberline Knowles. So when families or when therapists or doctors think that, hey, I have uh, a daughter who I think would really benefit from going to Timberline Knowles, they can connect with Sarah locally, and she can be a resource person to answer questions, um, to help with, uh, you know, if an intervention is needed, to, to connect that family with an appropriate interventionist, and to really ensure that it's a smooth process of getting someone from the Atlanta area to Chicago for treatment at Timberline Knowles. Sarah, how um, how sick 
does someone need to be to actually seek you out? Well, you know, that's a tricky question because part of the disease of substance use disorders and eating disorders is something in the patient's head that tells them it's not that bad yet. Um, You know, we call that denial or minimization. So patients oftentimes think that um, they're not sick enough to need residential treatment. Family members oftentimes are spot on with regards to what um, level of care their daughter might need. So when people seek residential treatment, typically they are um, pretty severely impaired, having difficulty with regards to taking care of themselves, participating in their daily work or family functioning. Some people have medical complications, um, DUIs. Um, So there's a whole range of severity. It's a little bit different for adolescent women than adult women. You know, it's interesting how many women I actually have lunch with that push food around their plate. And um, I mean, it's not when we think of eating disorders, we are awful. And I know we're all sitting here picturing just young girls who are emaciated and, and, you know, binging. And Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of women, middle aged women that have, you know, that are pushing things around their plate are eating popcorn for dinner on a very, you know, glass of wine on a regular basis, not to mention that they're such calorie counters that it's then trickling down to their children as well. Can you just talk to me, talk to us a little bit about that, Sarah? Certainly. Um, Dr. Dennis is a little bit more of an expert than I am on the um, eating disorder component, but what I can tell you is that eating disorders don't discriminate based upon age. And I think that your stereotype is absolutely correct. Um, We often think it is the young girls who are emaciated, and yet I work with women of all ages. I recently put a a 70-year-old woman, um, helped a 70-year-old woman get into treatment. Um, If you can imagine what an eating disorder does to a woman's body over time, and it can start with um, mild restricting, as you said, you know, pie, maybe popcorn for dinner. It can move into eating only certain kinds of foods. And um, certainly children are watching what parents are doing and what they're eating and how they're eating. And so the children are absolutely picking up on those cues. And I get calls from family members who are very concerned about their loved one. Um, They're concerned about their health. They're secretly binging and purging. They're watching cooking shows all day, but they aren't eating any food. So Sarah, for you as as an outreach professional here in the local community, are you mainly interfacing as Dr. Dennis was talking about? She she mentioned the fact that you're talking to a variety of therapists around the community and physician practices to let them know the resources available and that, that they have someone here. But is that who you typically focus with or will they then turn with those providers then turn around and refer a family member or a potential patient to you to, to talk further about the services that you're providing? It it often starts with meeting with therapist and letting them know about the kinds of services. Timberline Knowles is known around the country for treating very difficult co-occurring illnesses, and we are known for being a specialty in that field. So a lot of therapists already do know about us, but I will visit with them to talk about our new programs. They often prefer to send the patients directly to me um, because it it just makes it a little bit smoother rather than giving them. Um, we do have certainly an 800 number that anybody who's interested and concerned can talk to one of our licensed clinicians at any given time. But I often talk with parents. I've worked with husbands and wives and daughters, and um, they often refer them. They say, can I refer them directly to you? And that's what I do, and, and we get the ball rolling that way. You mentioned uh, an 800 number line. Talk about real quickly um, how folks can get more information about the Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center. Certainly. We um, we encourage you to go to our website at www.timberlinenoles.com. We can be reached at Twitter at Timberline Today, Facebook, Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center, and our 
800 number is 877-257-9611. And again, those are licensed clinicians who take phone calls from people who have issues and concerns. And we've been talking with Sarah Bride and Dr. Kim Dennis of the Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center facilities that are providing help to women and adolescent girls dealing with addiction and uh, eating disorders. Dr. Dennis, I really appreciate you getting on the phone with us this morning. I'm going to let you get back to your day. We've got some other guests here in the studio that we're going to jump over to, but thanks so much for sharing some information about your programs. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Any, Any final thought before we let you go? Great. All right. Well, I appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll carry on. And, and, of course, Sarah will be here with us, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the family side of uh, dealing with uh, these types of disorders. So we really appreciate you. We'll talk to you later. All right. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. And so with that, uh, you know, we talked about the fact uh, in the conversation that family support is kind of a foundation, if you will, as much as the patient, like Diana was indicating in our, in our conversation, how um, the patient themselves clearly has to be engaged. They have to believe I, I have a problem. In fact, our family has a, has a friend dealing with al- alcoholism right now, and she's in the phase where she doesn't yet understand or acknowledge that she's got an issue. So she's been unsuccessful in her time in a couple of uh, residential facilities and so she's probably on her trajectory to lose everything before she gets there her family lives in another state um and so gary i i thought it might be a nice segue to talk about uh, one care and 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 for our other folks at the table if someone has a thought or uh, uh sparks a, a question or a comment please jump in we'd like to have no there's no nice, wall of silence yeah, up here yeah so we'd like to have in. a nice round table discussion uh, about these issues i know that uh the three of you here and uh, sitting uh, alongside Sarah actually are, are collaborating through your, your various organizations on this project uh, to enhance our overall health. So um, talk about your platform, Gary, and we'll kind of get down into how you all could support folks who are dealing with chronic issues and, and even potential issues like we were talking about earlier with the folks from Timberline. Thank you, Charles. Um, One Care has developed a, a continuous care management platform that uh, helps uh, a patient to, uh, to stay on track with their doctor's care plans and protocols. And, and regardless of your condition, whether it's a, a chronic disease or a terminal illness or an emotional disorder or an eating disorder or substance abuse, whatever, there will be a care plan that goes with that. And it's, it's terribly important, as uh, the, the doctor, had uh, uh, Kim Dennis, had previously mentioned, uh, to have the family around and that, that support um, the, the support and connectivity is very important. The OneCare platform um, provides a private, secure, HIPAA-compliant um, social network that uh, connects the patient and the uh, members of their, their family together. And then um, we provide uh, training and education uh, first on uh, how, to, um, how behavior works. Uh, you know what what's involved in in behavior and basically behaviors what what people do, um, but if you have a you know a medical diagnosis of some type, a clinical diagnosis, there is going to be a need to change behaviors, and that behavior change is critical. You can't change outcomes, or or prevent avoidable episodes of care without changing behavior, and that's that's a critical component that is is largely missed in um, in treatment plans. So one of the things that uh, we recognized early in our development is that behavior change has to be a part of what we do. And so we partnered with um, Aubrey Daniels International, who is, uh, and Aubrey is here with us today. Aubrey um, is uh, recognized as one of the world's leading authorities on the science of behavior analysis and uh, how to uh, improve performance um, and in this case, we're talking about performing your care plan tasks daily. Um, so our system basically gets the doctor's uh, care plan and puts it into a patient's uh, personal health record in their account within the OneCare system. And then we message the person throughout the day for all the care plan tasks at the time those tasks are due. And with chronic conditions, for example, it could be things like uh, checking your blood sugar if you're a diabetic. Um, stepping on a scale if you have congestive heart failure, 
could be checking your blood pressure if you have a blood pressure issue, taking your medicine um, for, for people who have chronic conditions that require medication, and, um, and education, learning, the, becoming a subject matter expert on your chronic condition because either you're going to take control of that chronic condition or that disease or it's going to take control of you. And so we provide that training and those tools to the patient, their family members, uh, other connected caregivers and extensions to their primary care uh, doctors or whatever specialist they might be working with. And, uh, and then that care professional has a window into the patient's self-management experience to see what's actually happening. Are they really doing the things that they're supposed to do that are going to result in uh, their better health and overcoming whatever the challenge is that they're dealing with. Well, this is great in theory, but how does it work? I mean, kind of walk me through this. So a person gets um, enrolled into the OneCare platform. They get equipped with whatever tools they need. It can be medical devices like glucometers, blood pressure cuffs, and so forth medication management tools. Uh, one of the tools that we use is uh, the, the Curant Health medication management uh, system, and uh, which has been uh, uh, remarkably effective, and Mark will uh, share with us about that. Um, but staying on track with all these things uh, is, is important. It's, it's important to be consistent and timely. So what we do is we give them the tools, apps, devices, and, uh, and other management tools, and the education um, so that at the time the task is due, like checking your blood sugar, taking your medicine at the correct time, you need to do it at the, at the correct time consistently daily, um, and you get better results. So we message the person through text, email, voicemail, smartwatch, smart TV, to, to get that information um, at the time the task is due. Then the devices that we use and, and our systems, the apps, report automatically back into OneCare, uh, just doing the task normally. And the data is auto-collected, put into their uh, account, evaluated and interpreted by the system to see if the information that we just collected about that task is actionable. Was the blood sugar normal? Uh, did they take their medicine or not? So these are things that uh, are terribly important to know. Then if the task is not completed, an alert goes out to the patient from our system and connected their connected family members to uh, to notify them we've got a missed task here. So then they engage and they're trained through uh, Aubrey's uh, educational platform card called uh, Building Healthy Habits that was created for OneCare. And then the, the various uh, chronic disease states, we actually certify the patient. We self-care certify them and certify the family members for the various chronic disease states through an educational tool that helps them really understand the chronic disease and what, what the issues are around that. So these are timely interventions. If the readings are abnormal, um, then a message, an alert comes to the patient and the family members that says, uh, Gary's blood sugar was abnormal, it's abnormally high, and there's a protocol for that. So they're, they're alerted at the time that the event is not, is, uh, has occurred, and so immediate intervention takes place. And um, so what, what we're doing is we're trying to uh, keep the preventable episodes of care from happening. There's, there's certain things that are not preventable, but the things that are preventable are responsible for 60% of all health care costs today. So we could save $1.8 trillion if we could just avoid the preventable episodes of care. So, I mean, part of diabetes management is also eating and exercise, and those numbers would be affected by that as well. So is that inputted by the patient, or how is that kept track of as well? We, we have connected devices that we provide, and, for example, there's there's Fitbit and Y-Things and uh, uh, Nike uh, Fuel Band and uh, Jawbones Up and other devices like that. We integrate with those devices so they auto-report into our system. So we provide the device. The person uses the device. Uh, we remind them to use the devices. And uh, and then the devices auto-report uh, into the system. So we, we track the fact that they are getting the exercise. They are mm -hmm. checking their vitals and taking their meds. And then what about food? We have a uh, we have diet apps that uh, enable them to uh, manage their diet. That uh, that you, you can provide uh, different forms of that. You have uh, tools that you put your calories into. You have tools that you take a picture of the food, and it will give you an estimate of the amount of uh, the nutritional content in in what uh, you've taken the picture of. There's other tools like that. Um, 
because uh, we all know patients lie. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, yeah. and and you know, I'm I'm listening to the apps and the the tablets and the Fitbit and the platform and the da da and the da da and and I'm completely overwhelmed. So and I am, I'm like middle aged. So my mother in law, if she hears all of this stuff that's going to be dumped on her, help help me God because it's going to be basically I'm going to be getting these alerts all the time. And I did get those alerts all, you know, when my father-in-law, before he passed away, those alerts were coming to us. Of course, we live in another state, but a lot of the the population that you're trying to help here is not wired, and they don't necessarily want to be wired. Even the, the Apple TV, I can't tell you the number of times I have to help my mother-in-law just <laughs> turn on the television, much less get a movie on. So address, I mean, how do you... How do you work with that? Because, again, in theory, this is a great idea, but inundating somebody, unless they're actually engaged in the process, you just have somebody that's getting a lot of alerts and a lot of alerts going out with no one actually changing their behavior. So maybe, Aubrey, you can help us set us straight here. Well, uh, everybody's talked about the importance of the family, and if you think about it, a patient uh, is the product of that environment. So you have to change the environment, which includes... um, uh, educating the family and the patient. Now, most of the time, the focus is on the patient. Here's what you need to do. So what One Care has developed, and we've participated in that, is uh, education of the family to know how to respond to the patient. If you think about uh, the environment as being one that inadvertently reinforces the wrong behavior, then we train them how to respond. Most of the time, uh, if you have a chronic patient, you nag them all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You, prob- much, you probably yeah. did this. <laughs> well, I mean, having four kids, yeah. I'm, I'm like a professional nagger. <laughs> and, of course, if, if they are uh, at a distance, then as soon as you get them off the phone, they can go back to uh, what they They go want. back to watching exactly. television. The so, three stations they can get without Apple TV. Exactly. So what we do is we train the family in how to respond to the patient. And primarily, we want to get them on a positive reinforcement track. And that is when they improve in any event, then you want uh, to let the patient know that you know and that it's good and whatever. So uh, the biggest part of compliance is about changing behavior. And most of the time, if you think about it, uh, if you're with the patient an hour in a doctor's office, in 23 hours, the wrong things are occurring. So with the One Care platform, it, it has what we call a low response, low-cost c- response. So it's automatic. You know, the patient doesn't have to do much but they get the information about what they have done, and the family gets the information. And the, if you have somebody who's primarily in the family who's responsible for this, then they, they are connected so they know what's going on. If your family uh, member happens to be in a nursing home, then you worry about their care. Well, you've got all of the, in, the information that tells you what's going on with the patient. So uh, the... Uh, we're dealing with habits, and, and so the idea is to change the habit, not only of the patient, but the family as well, mm-hmm. in terms of how they interact. Yeah, because we all know that, and don't deny this, we all know that we floss before we go to the dentist the day before, just so we can <laughs> tell the dentist, Mark, you're, I mean, come on, admit it. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a rabid flosser. Oh, all right. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> Done. Too late. Um, but this patient engagement is is basically, this is the problem of health care. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Well, the more immediate the consequence, the better. In other words, if you're standing there, you can say, I want to see you floss. Uh, if you're remote, then we have to have some way to connect the patient immediately to the behavior. So the alert goes out, and it's not uh, just an, an occasion for a nag, oh, I need to call her and fuss at her. It is the, the instant we can see the trend. We know that she's making progress, and so how should we respond to that? And so you can change the behavior even though you're here and they're somewhere else. Yeah, because, I mean, even with an eating disorder patient, it's not a matter no. of saying eat. Right. There's a thought process that you have to change here, and so that's what I'm trying to get to. It's not a pro- it's not a just a being reminded. It's not being held accountable because you know how many of us started out wearing Fitbits, and well, most of the time, I mean, mine right now is sitting on my kitchen. Good for you. I'm <laughs> proud of you. Mine is usually sitting in the charger because I forget to put it on every morning. So, I mean. It, this is a behavior change. It's changing that habit. So even for right. someone that is fairly motivated, you still have 
this is an uphill battle. Well, it is. I mean, uh, if it weren't uh, real easy, then it wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking about it. Uh, everybody uh, have already figured out how to do it. But the point is that uh, there's a big process. Uh, part of the process is called shaping. And that is we don't wait for the patient to get better. We want trends. And the platform provides those trends. And so uh, if you forget, in this case, the data won't be recorded. So if it's your mother, you say, Mama, uh, go go put on your, pit, your Fitbit because it's not tracking now. Or get on the scale or whatever. You, you've, you forgot to do this. So we're going to rely on the family to interact with them in a, in a way that the patient benefits and the patient sees the benefit. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. Well, uh, I'm, I'm looking, and you've been doing good, but, uh, you know, I need to need you to put on the Fitbit so we can see how you're walking today. So it, it's a, a kind of involvement that technology allows us to do that before we weren't able to do. And that is, we have a, we have a picture of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. We can see that. And the patient doesn't have to do anything but put on the Fitbit, step on the scales, those kind of things. And we, we know what they did or didn't do. Have any of you tried to move your parents into an assisted living? Okay. So I'm picturing that, I'm picturing yeah. that scenario. It's not easy. No. Um, and so this is almost the step before that because I'm intervening on some, you know, I'm going to get feeding data. And the last thing that most of our parents want to do is actually to have their kids interfere. Mm-hmm. I mean, they want us to call, but they don't want us to interfere like this. So kind of talk to me about well, that. Well, I think it's a, you don't want them to interfere because most of the content is, is negative. Mama, why didn't you do this? Uh, you got you know you got supposed to do I mean, it's that kind of interaction. And we all get tired of that. You know, and that's why negative reinforcement, we call it, doesn't really sustain behavior. I mean, if you're there, you can do it. But when it's remote, I mean, even in another part of the town, it's very hard to do. And to go visit the person every day is, is unlikely. So we have to have some way that we get the data so we can act in a proper way to respond. And I think that's the biggest part of it. It's not the technology is not going to change behavior, which with a lot of apps that do that. And I think what separates OneCare from the other thousand of platforms out there is that it's built on behavior how to change behavior, and that's what I've been doing that 40 years. And uh, so we know what needs to be done. And so we can can provide reinforcement and um, uh, corrective feedback to the family because we know what the family's doing. Right, and the the training that the family get, the patient and the family, um, actually teach them how behavior works. In other words, if you need to change behavior, um, the tools that that Aubrey's developed, um, it's like judo. You, you you are you're up against a bigger opponent. Your your habits that got you into trouble in the first place. And what you really need is a weapon you can use against that bigger opponent that can that can defeat them. Well, understanding the science of behavior and how it works and getting that training helps empower you to understand how to do the thing that's hard to do. And it it can uh, depending on the condition and what's what the, the issues are, uh, there'll be slightly different ways of approaching that. But it's all about um, make, making the healthy choice an easy choice and, uh, and taking the, uh, the choice that's not healthy uh, as, as far out of range as you can. In other words, don't have, if you have a congestive heart failure and you're not supposed to have salt, you don't want a bag of potato chips in the pantry uh, because you get hungry and there you go. You grab the because it's easy, it's fast, it's good. Uh, what you do is you take those things out and you put in the refrigerator uh, healthy choices that, that you like but that are instantly available. So you get positive, immediate, certain reinforcement. And so uh, is that all recorded? I mean, am I recording what I'm buying at the grocery store, or am I given a grocery list to buy? I mean, how do I know that? Is that part of the platform? Well, eating a healthy diet is, is, a, is a part of that, and there are tools that, that we can provide that help the person uh, to keep track of what they eat, to, to schedule or plan meals, to, uh, to have a healthy diet. And so those are those are things that that we provide that are beneficial to help them in that regard. We've been talking with technology experts Gary Austin of OneCare and Aubrey Daniels, the behavioral uh, expert, uh, talking about how they're able to use this combination of approaches to 
modify behaviors around managing typically chronic diseases. Uh, it sounds like it could have some ac- application in wellness behaviors as well, Absolutely. even if they don't have chronic diseases. But uh, when we talk about the platform, Gary, are, obviously there's there's got to be, I would imagine there's a website through which I've got a portal where yes. I'm entering some of this. Obviously, I saw on the website uh, for OneCare that there's an app, obviously, uh, and that it interfaces with these other devices. Did when you were talking earlier about the the provider side, does it interface with EMR in some form or fashion? How does that provider interface in any way with uh, with what you're obtaining through all these different data right. points? We, we provide the provider with a, a dashboard and a, and a view into the patient account. So they have the a, a OneCare account themselves and can access any of their patients that have OneCare accounts through our uh, provider portal. So they basically just log on put in their user ID and password, and then a whole patient roster uh, shows up there. They can click on the patient and see what their self-care looks like. Now, are they doing that through a, a OneCare login, or are they doing it through Cerner or you name the modern? Epic. Yeah. yeah. The, Today the, they're today. doing it through through OneCare. Uh, we do have on our road roadmap to integrate with the various uh, EMR systems, and there are tools that uh, can simplify that uh, and expedite that process. But the, uh, the, we also provide a dashboard that would allow them to see an entire population in one, in one glance where they can see which of their patients may be having issues today. And uh, so if they need to have uh, you know, some, some more immediate uh, ways to, uh, to understand uh, who needs help and uh, who needs to have someone reach out, we have a dashboard that can help them to identify that quickly. Yeah, part, part of what the family is trying to do is to know when to ask for help when to call a doctor rather than try to do something at home. You know, what are the symptoms, what are the behaviors that are problematic that would uh, require some something other than what they know to do. Now, one of the things that we talked about uh, being able to help manage is some of these patients are taking medications, for example. Mark, you might as well jump in and be a part of this. Since yeah, you're, you're awfully quiet. You're one of, the, one of the partner organizations that collaborate here to make this platform do what it's supposed to do. So if you can, talk real quickly about current and and what you're focused on in terms of medication management and then how it ties into the overall platform that we're talking about here with OneCare. Sure, and I appreciate that. Uh, Curon Health, we are a patient services and support organization at our core, really focused on chronic condition patients and uh, improving their outcomes, solely focused on that on patients around the country. Uh, We do this by a really elegant platform that's really structured around the patient, providing medication management, providing medication provision, adherence packaging, real, meaningful, robust patient engagement, and clinician engagement as well. And uh, again, we, we are this, this new alternative provider that really is uh, taking hold in the healthcare landscape. We're one of the fastest growing healthcare companies in the country, the, the only large healthcare company to be on the Inc. 500 three years in a row. And I, and I say that not to wave our flag, but that what we're doing in, in our methodology for care is, is really um, uh, coming in vogue. And let me give a, a couple of examples that might uh, give an idea of what we do. Right now, the current healthcare landscape, uh, you go see your physician, and you get your five to eight minutes with your physician, and, and he diagnoses some chronic ailment and says, well, Mr. Smith, you need to eat right, you need to exercise, and here's nine sheets of paper with medications. Go get these filled. I'll see you in three or six months. So now we're taking the, the sickest folks uh, among us, that 15% of the, the, the patient space that accounts for 75% plus of the, the medical spend in this country, and we're making them stand in line at a very lackluster retail experience. And they're there trying to get care. Now, uh, again, out of that five to eight minutes that a patient spends with their, their clinician, uh, a recent study just came out literally, I think, 60 days ago. Uh, less than 60 seconds is actually spent educating the patient about their medications. And uh, that simply doesn't work with a, with a complicated lifestyle and medication regimen. So, again, we're, we're putting these folks uh, in a situation where they're going to fail. Adherence is incredibly low. Uh, in in this country, um, mind-bogglingly. So actually, um, there was a um, uh, uh, several recent studies out that looked at uh, uh, patients even on, on oral oncolytics. Now these are, these are oral oncology drugs. You have to take these or you die. And and those adherence levels were at thirty to forty percent, depending on what uh, study you read. So people don't take their meds, and, and candidly, people don't care about their health. They just don't. They care about their lives. So what we do at Curon Health is we help the patient care about their health just a little bit. 
and we make it incredibly easy and provide a lot of support using a lot of uh, Aubrey Daniels um, uh, methodologies to to engage a patient. So let me give you two quick stories that that will give you a sense on on what we do and actually and, and how we interface with with one care. That's really our patient uh, engagement um, facing technology. Uh, Gary, the uh, CEO of One Care, um, when we began our discussions about two years ago, he said, "All right, Curon Health, let me test you out. I'm going to send you my mother." And uh, and you know she's been having some issues, some dizziness issues, some falling issues. She's on uh, X amount of medications, so we 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 brought her in, put her put our arms around her, and um, almost immediately she calls her uh, son back up, um, raising Cain. These people at Curon Health, they don't know what they're doing. They have all my meds wrong. They sent me my packaging. There's there's no more brown bottles in the Curon Health model. We do adherence packaging and bubble packs. Um, so you get real feedback and, again, make it very, very easy for the patient to stay adherent. Calls Gary and said, they've got my medications backwards. I'm, I'm taking um, in the packaging. My morning medications are, they're telling me I need to take them in the evening and vice versa. So Gary calls us. And, of course, we we, uh, we get all excited and start uh, jumping around, trying to figure out what's going wrong and uh, reach back out. And what had been going on for, I think, years is that uh, Gary's mom had been taking her medication completely wrong. She was taking her morning medications in the evening and the evening medications in the morning. So the evening medications that cause dizziness and drowsiness, she was taking first thing in the morning and causing falls. And this anecdote is is system-wide. Um, it, it, it's hard. You know, I, I'm uh, middle-aged as well, but I have a hard time remembering to take my a multivitamin in the morning when you have a medication regimen that is you know, 10, 12 medications um, spread out through the day, uh, it, it's unwieldy. And the second step really is is now uh, um, the healthcare technologies, I call them, that are coming into play. And, um, you know, and, and understand full well that all of the, the discussions about healthcare technology and data and EMRs, all this healthcare technology is absolutely and completely useless. Useless unless you're utilizing the data to improve the outcomes of patients. Collecting data and having um, you know, engagement that has no end and no road is, is completely useless. So I like to, to describe um, OneCare, which is our, our, our patient-facing engagement platform, as a HIPAA-compliant Facebook on steroids. And it, uh, you know, it is that medium that brings together real patient touch using um, Aubrey Daniels, um, you know, really intriguing patient support mechanisms, but uh, us as well, really on that, that medication side. So here's here's my last real world example is um, take a, a type one young person who is transitioning out of the home, a very vulnerable patient set there in the home. Mom and dad's taking care of their meds and making sure they have enough insulin and fighting with the insurance companies um, and doing their PAs. And now that young person is sent off to college and his uh, support system is gone in the blink of an eye. And they have no idea what to do. Um, but, but this uh, young person decided to get on OneCare. And it has a platform where he can communicate with other type 1 uh, young people going through the same situations. And they support each other. It's no more mom and dad, you know, ogring them over their shoulder. Anytime mom and dad asks a, a type 1 young person what their numbers is, are, uh, it's immediately it's an accusatory statement. But when it's friends and people going through it, um, it's amazing. Adherence goes up. It becomes a, a community. And where we come in is utilizing this platform to, to just kind of keep an eye on the patient. Um, in general, uh, here on health, we don't care if a patient takes their medications. What we do care about is when they don't take their medications. This is when things start happening. And uh, by having these technologies such as a wireless uh, glucometer that plugs into the OneCare system, um, it sends us data so we can actually see if a patient is taking enough tests and uh, what those tests are. If there's a problem or if there's a gap, wow, it's been 24 hours since you've taken a test, our patient care coordinators that communicate with our patients uh, continually can reach out to them. Hey, Steve, are you okay? We've noticed you haven't taken a test in a while. Is there a problem? Oh, yeah, I went on a trip and I forgot it. All right, well, we'll overnight you some insulin and whatever else we need to do and solve some problems. So we're taking this technology platform this engagement platform, but providing real meaningful patient care um, through it. Right. It's a combination of the high tech and the high touch. The high tech and high touch is the is the magic. So where do you fit in and you fit in? Like you talked about bubble wrapping medication. So talk to me about your part in this and, and what's separate. Okay. Gary lives in, um, you know, he's Hal. 
Okay, so he's got the computer that's always talking to us and, and tying folks together. We're, we're really that, that ancillary provider. We're a new type of uh, clinician for all practical purposes. Understand there's a, there's a tremendous shift going on in the provision of health care. Um, it used to be the doctors were Marcus Welby, MD. They were trained to be the quarterback on the field. I manage everything. I diagnose. I make sure the patient's doing what they're supposed to do. I operate and fix things that are broken. I, I, you know, I'm the man. And uh, there has been a, a very uh, real, not subtle shift, a very real shift because of bandwidth and cost and um, the change in, in the value um, um, proposition of healthcare. They're They're now on the sidelines, which is not a bad thing. They're on the sidelines. They're the head coach understand they're the one who needs to draw up the game plan but now we are the quarterback we're the one that takes the the lifestyle regimen the medication regimen and we bring it um, directly to the patient we make first downs we are we are we know where the end zone is and, and off we go we are true ancillary providers and, and clinicians and if something goes wrong we call a timeout and then we run back to the sideline go coach this isn't working you know you want to drop up a new game plan and we'll start running the plan again so um you know pharmacy in general is really um, you know, you have a sea change going on where pharmacy now is uh, thought of as a, a true equal and peer to the clinician space. Uh, it, it, you know, and that's really compounded by the fact of all the specialty drugs that everyone likes to talk about that are coming down the road. Um, it, it, it's a completely uh, different world that we're living in now than the old days. They take two aspirin and go down to the... Right. And I understand the analogy, but in like you know, being practical or even for the listeners out here, what does that look like? Sure. Uh, a patient gets directed to Curon Health from where, whatever that healthcare stakeholder is, be it a clinician, a payer, uh, technology, home healthcare. And we bring that, that patient in who's, again, has gotten 60 seconds with their clinician, is uh, very confused and And, and you're, you're bringing them in or the doctor's bringing them in or the system's bringing them in? Are you? Yes, yes to all those. Okay. Um, again, from the largest managed care organization to the smallest Ryan White clinic um, in some rural community in, in Georgia directs patients to us. For, for one reason only, to improve their, their outcomes. So we bring this patient in, and again, you know, we, we are pharmacy-esque, but we're not a, a pharmacy. You know, we're patient management and support, whereby uh, a patient gets enrolled in our program. They're assigned a patient care coordinator, a licensed pharmacy tech, not a call center, that reaches out to this patient um, at, at least once every three weeks and more if they, they require it, but unlimited inbound calls. So there's, there's never a question that, that goes un, unanswered. We provide uh, medication therapy management, whereby a specially trained clinical pharmacist communicates with the patient, spends uh, the better part of an hour on the phone, really doing a deep dive in their medication regimen. So they really understand it, identifying problems. And the problems happen, goodness, every single day, where uh, they might have a, uh, a general practitioner who is prescribing a, um, a blood thinner and two specialists that are also prescribing blood thinners and the, you know, none of the doctors know what the other one is doing and we solve those problems before the patient bleeds out. And then we provide um, the, the actual fulfillment of the medications as well every month. The, again, we are out of the world of the, the brown bottles with no feedback. We provide these very, very elegant adherence packaging that are, that are bubble packs. So no more brown bottles. They just know I have to pop this bubble in the morning take meds, go about my day. I don't have to think about my health or my regimen. And in the evening, I pop out the other bubble and I go to bed and, and life is life is grand. Um, these medications are delivered to their, their doorstep. So no more having to get in the car and, and drive somewhere and stand in, in lines. And, and uh, many times the folks that have these chronic conditions want some candor. And you lose that candor standing in line at the Walgreens when you know, the pharmacist is saying, hey, Mr. Smith, your triple is here. So um, uh, it is this methodology and, and what really differentiates it because um, patient engagement doesn't work it, or patient engagement. Patient education doesn't work. Transitional care doesn't work. Wellness programs don't work. And I, I could list out all the studies that show the only thing that works in these chronic condition patients where the problem is in healthcare is robust, meaningful engagement. You have to be there for them. Again, like Aubrey said, you're not nagging them, but but you're that rock that they're building their life on, and you make it very easy for them to stay here. Well, and speaking of studies, the study came out recently, I think it was the beginning of the year, that actually showed the biggest indicator on whether someone was going to be adherent to their medications or even any any plan a doctor gives them is 
um, if whether or not they were in isolation. So that whole sense of community. So is that fitting into any of this? I mean, it sounds like I'm as a caretaker or a child of a an elderly patient is involved. But where are we bringing community into this, or how does that actually? Absolutely, that is 100 yeah. percent what we're what we're doing here. And understand that that our patient care coordinators, you know, not, they're not their doctors. Our patients are far more candid with our patient care coordinators, this non-judgmental voice on the other end of the phone, that that's the lifeline that's there every day, far more candid than they are with their own doctors, than they are with their spouses and family members. They're not, they don't want to look a doctor in the eye. The doctor says, have you been taking your meds? Well, of course I have. You know, that's, that's the immediate answer. Um, with us, again, we're, we're solving the, 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 the problems. You know, we don't get on patients. We just want to fix what the problems are. And it's by having that, that extra lifeline, that engagement and engagement um, on, on these platforms like OneCare that allow folks with a, a certain situation to, you know, commiserate with folks who are in the same situation. Okay? And that's where, you know, you really start getting, you know, the circle of trust. Well, and also, I mean, there's so many comorbidities that actually fit into diabetes or hyper, hypertension. I mean, all chronic diseases have multiple comorbidities in it. Right. And if you take all of the requirements that a patient has to manage to to be successful with their with their self-care for these, particularly the comorbids, um, it's just overwhelming. It's too much. You have to spread the load out. You have to give them something that's manageable, and you have to provide reinforcement for that. And one of the great things about the relationship with the Curon is they the information that they collect and the relationships they develop are so critical. And... Um, we're able to uh, take take advantage of the the information that about the scheduling, about when they take the meds and so forth, and then we can reinforce that uh, with our messaging and the, the family connectivity, the social network, so that uh, the, the meds do get taken on time every time, every day uh, through through this uh, kind of a system. So it's very a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of loneliness or a woman that's just lost her husband. I mean, is that? I mean, that affects behavior, it affects medi- medication adherence. I mean, is all that taken into consideration as well? Sure. And every, every you know, every story is, is different. Another thing that doesn't necessarily work is population health, all these wonderful buzzwords that are out here. Now, every patient is individual. Right. So we manage patients um, that are, uh, we, uh, Children's Healthcare Atlanta, we manage their transplant patients. And uh, it's a lot of management of, of helping the, the, the child. But most of the management is to the parents, mm-hmm. okay? uh, all the way up to yes, you, you know your your aged folks who are still living in the home and they're out there trying to get it, but they're on a complicated regimen of twelve different medications and they just need some help. And the yeah. last thing they're thinking about is whether they've got healthy food in the refrigerator. Exactly, exactly. But again, patients don't. And I say patients, all of us, we don't care about our health, okay? Unless there's a catastrophe, uh, we care about our lives first and foremost. So, um, you know, healthcare that that's not um, overbearing, you know, is going to be the future. I'm still well, stuck think, on the fact you're, you floss every day. But <laughs> So what sorts of partnerships do you need? We've got a couple of minutes left. We want to make sure that if there are some collaborations or resources that you're looking for, that we get those out there. So we're, we're looking for uh, third-party administrators, accountable care organizations, self-funded employers, uh, senior living, home, ca- home care uh, facilities. Um, these are the, the things that are ideal um, customers for the One Care platform. Um, most uh, aging seniors today want to age in place. Um, our, our platform and our partners are, are able to help a person stay at home affordably, longer, safely, and uh, connected. Those kind of things. Um, and then we're we're a, we're a growing organization. And uh, one thing that would expedite our growth is uh, access to capital. So those are other things that we're interested in. Um, so uh, that would that would be for OneCare. And your website OneCare.me. That's correct. And how about Karan? Um, we we are a you know a pretty large healthcare company and uh, uh, have actually made the uh, ACG Fast Forty uh, the last three years as well. And again, just about any healthcare stakeholder that is um, compensated somehow in improving patient outcomes is a, a client of ours. First and foremost, so these are the, the large managed care organizations, the integrated health systems, the ACOs, uh, all the way down to your your smaller clinics and um, maybe d- uh, disease specific clinics um, around the country. We are licensed in all fifty states. We have patients from California to the Virgin Islands, so uh, we we really are uh, changing healthcare and 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 uh, in a very transformational way. Where do they get information about you? Uh, you can, we're we are all over the place. Again, uh, Curon Health easily found on Twitter and Facebook and our web 
uh, site address is www.curanthealth, C-U-R-A-N-T-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. Awesome. If you've not done so already, make sure you get over to healthconnectsouth.com and register for the upcoming Health Connect South event on September 16th. If you mention Radio X, you get $100 off of your registration fee. Make sure you invite your, your peers as well. To the folks over at Sherwick Media Group, we really appreciate you all. Go to sherwick.com to learn more about them there. And uh, link up with uh, the Health Connect South radio show at HealthCon Radio. Right, health at, at HealthCon yeah. <laughs> on Twitter, um, and uh, and and then go up to the upper left hand corner of the podcast page to the uh, Apple logo and follow that over to the iTunes podcast page and s- subscribe to us so you can meet all these awesome experts that we're bringing to you every week. Sarah Bright and Dr. Dennis, we re- appreciate you, and uh, I'll say it to you on behalf of Dr. Dennis. So Thank thanks you for taking much. some time, Gary and Mark and Aubrey. I appreciate you all joining us to share some information about this cool technology platform. Um, flies. This it really, hour flies. Yeah, it really goes quickly. So everybody out there who took time to make us a part of your day, we really appreciate you. We may have to have you all back to talk further about uh, what you all are doing and maybe bring a, a patient or two that can talk how it's affecting their particular lives. Um, Diana, thanks so much, man. Always a pleasure. And uh, make sure to make an appointment to see us all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. This show is brought to you by Sherwick Media. Sherwick is the health and wellness solution, content that inspires change. Learn more at www.sherwick.com. That's sharewik.com. And link up with us on Facebook and Twitter.